0: Hi everyone, welcome to Type Talks. Today we're here to talk about ENTJs mistyping as INFJ. This is a way more common mistype than people think. ENTJs actually commonly mistype as INTJ and INFJ because they commonly view themselves as introverts, because sometimes people get in the way of getting things done. People can be a stopping point for productivity. ENTJs can have a jadedness with people, too, if they've had poor experiences. So it can result in this personality type thinking they're introverted very often. And so today I'm here with my classmates from Personality Hacker. They've all gone from INFJ to ENTJ in some form. And so Mary Joy, would you like to share a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Hi, I'm Mary Joy. Um, I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, I have an ENFP husband. Um, I have a a five-and-a-half-year-old son and a dog named Paula Pickles. Um, I am in grad school. Um, I hope to work in leadership programming in um, higher education. And I am a musician, um, so I've played music for many years. I'm currently playing drums in a band, and uh, I tend to be a very busy person. I'm also super into um, typology, and I've been involved in the personality hacker community for Uh, I guess, probably almost a decade at this point. Um, And they've really been instrumental in helping me um, find myself as an ENTJ. And I'm excited to talk about that today.
0: Very cool indeed. We can go on 16 Personalities and get an initial type. With a lot of people, that's the starting place for their type journey. But as you find better resources, or, or if you find places where you're able to explore type in more depth, people can end up tweaking or changing their type over time. There's no shame in that and and I think that it's a noble thing to also reevaluate your type because that means that you value truth enough that you're willing to change your mind if better information comes in. So that's just a lesson to the audience that 16 personalities take the results or take any online test with a grain of salt. Everything is a data point.
2: So yeah, and Leslie Hey, I'm Leslie, and uh, I don't have as many exciting things as mary Joy going on. I I do have a pet. um, Her name's Evie. But uh, I guess the most logical place to go would be to talk about what I do, and that is uh, I'm a personal development coach and a personality type consultant, so I am really passionate about personal development, which I think probably all of us on this call are. Um, But what I love to do is to help people to create a life uh, that aligns with who they are and what they really want, what matters most in their life and a life that will create the most meaningful and sustainable impact in the world. That's
3: great, I'm all about impact. I find that that's amazing. And Lisa? Well, hello, happy to be here. So my name's Lisa O'Kane and I currently live just outside of Tampa, Florida. My background is in zoos and aquariums and I've also been a little bit of a global vagabond. So I grew up in Florida moved to Australia for a little while, California, Alaska, Colorado, back to Florida. Um, I've been a zookeeper. I've been a wilderness instructor. I have worked at Disney World. I have done all kinds of amazing things, but uh, I currently have a job that I really love, I am the senior director of innovation at a nonprofit organization that raises and trains guide dogs for the visually impaired. And we also train service dogs for veterans who struggle with post-traumatic stress. Um, so in my position, I oversee all of our volunteers here on our campus. I also am in charge of a lot of the creative project, projects and specifically looking into new and innovative ways to bring our storytelling to the next level um, to kind of spread the word about what our organization does to to try to get out our services to those who need it most. Uh, In addition to that, I am a published author. I have a fiction novel that came out a few years ago. I'm always working on other things. So I currently have another novel that I'm trying to get published right now and ideas for other novels um, in the background, which I will work on at some point in my life Uh, and in my free time, (laughs) I enjoy traveling and spending time outside. And obviously, personality profiling has become a new passion of mine. I was not familiar with Myers-Briggs system at all until probably 2016. And I didn't discover personality hacker and really deep dive into the cognitive functions and Jungian psychology until the pandemic started. So I'm a relative newbie. And uh, yeah, it's been quite a journey to kind of get to learn everything, learn my best fit type, and really see how that impacts impacts. impacts me to help me be a better version of myself.
0: I love how the ENTJs are leading in with their work, with their projects and the things that they're doing. It's like, (laughs) yeah, this is how I'm keeping busy. These are the things
4: that I'm doing. And Susan? Hi, everyone. So I think that Lisa is a tough act to follow because I'm like, wow, she does the most amazing things and I can't even compare. So that's awesome. (laughs) And I want to read your book, Lisa, also. Um, so, I'm the founder of psychologyjunkie.com, and I've written uh, four different books on type, Discovering You, and then I've written a book for INFJs, INTJs, and INFBs. Someday I'll get around to my own type, haven't gotten there yet, um, but I'm an MBTI certified practitioner. I've also been trained as an Enneagram coach, And uh, but my background before that was in content strategy and marketing for startups and small businesses. So, there's there's me I would I, th- I think traveling around the world is also a big passion but I'm really excited uh, to hear more from Lisa sometime about training the guide dogs that's pretty amazing
0: quite the um, impressive resume y'all and TJs have <laughs> and making an impact wherever you travel so awesome and so hi my name is Joyce and I'm a certified MBTI master practitioner I also help coach people and I help people on the discovery process of figuring out their best fit type And so ENTJs, what was the journey for you to figuring out, oh, you weren't an INFJ, that you were actually
4: an ENTJ? When I first learned about type, I was really interested in how it could help me understand people, because I found that people had always been very confusing to me, which is literally a pretty typical ENTJ problem, but I didn't recognize it as so at the time. Um, So I went to get um, MBTI certified as an MBTI practitioner At the time I had a lot of doubts about my personality type, but through speaking with the instructor there, we settled on INFJ. Um, But over time, as I started writing more about type and learning more about it, I realized I still didn't, it didn't seem to fit as well as I thought that it should. I even spoke about it. I've written about it in my blog. I've posted about it on Twitter. So I was pretty open about occasionally having my doubts about it. Um, And then About a year and a half ago, I started talking to Linda Behrens and part of a training program I was going through with her involved having a one-on-one consultation. And she's really sweet. She just, after the consultation, she said, I just really recommend you consider the NT types because I'm getting a lot of NT from you. And um, just look through my profiles on the NT types, maybe even an in-charge NT type which there's only one in charge NT type, which was ENTJ. But she was really helpful, but also not pushy about it. So I was reading the NT profiles. I was like, that does kind of make sense. But all the ENTJs I had known at the time had been men. And at some point, I'd like to go into some of the differences about how like men and women just present themselves differently in the world. But I'm not going to go into that right now. Then I'm speaking to Antonia Dodge, just in a friendship way and she was like i knew it i've been seeing this forever and um she thought at the time it could be intj but then she referred me to melissa who runs the profiler dynamics course for personality hacker i'm not exactly sure what the official title is of her job but um and she typed me as entj so that is essentially the sequential journey of how I landed there. But um, it took a lot of, uh, I doubted it quite a bit at first because I, there's a lot of things that, you know, again, having mostly known ENTJ men, I was like, they, they showed up differently than how I do. But since that time, I've done a lot more research into actually how the brain is different for men and women, as well as like the social expectations for men and women. So that really helped me to kind of figure out why those differences exist.
0: Yeah. With ENTJ men, they are way more stereotypically ENTJ on average than the females because they haven't had the female expectation of needing to learn how to extrovertly feel or soften themselves, basically. And so women earlier on, they're they're made to develop more emotional intelligence. And so... It might be confusing if they're like, "Hmm, I could be an ENTJ, but all the other ENTJs I know aren't emotionally intelligent, so I must not be one."
4: Yeah, I think I could. I, th- I want to create a video at some point that really goes into the neuro, the scientific differences between how the between the male brain and the female brain, because I think it would explain why a lot of women mistype as feeling types or look like feeling types when that's not actually their Myers Briggs preferences. So stay tuned yeah. that.
0: <laughs> And on the other hand too, a lot of men might seem like thinkers when some of them might actually have more of a feeling preference.
2: Yeah, I would say, you know, similar to what Susan said, um, well, let me start with as an EJ type, I'm gonna look at the external world for a lot of feedback and evidence. And I think having that introverted judging function at the bottom, does make it difficult when i'm like mining myself and trying to figure out like okay is this actually how i am so i was using like the feedback from tests the feedback from other people i'm also mbti certified I, I test as infj every single time on the official mbti on all the tests or as an nfj i should say um early early on when i was young i tested as an enfj so you know i'm looking at that and of course Something still didn't feel right, as Susan mentioned. Like, I just was kind of like up and down with the INFJ, and I was like, is this TI? Like, what's going on here? Why do I not, you know, relate to some of the INFJ uh, people who are actually typed correctly as INFJ? And I just couldn't figure it out because I had an identity attached to being a feeling type. And that's where that int- inferior uh, introverted judging function came in. So I was holding on to it really strongly and I just didn't even think of any thinking type because I was, my self perception was that I was very people oriented, that I cared a lot about feelings. I cared a lot about people. Um, and so in my mind I translated that to F E and it seemed to come across, I don't know, like lots and lots of people accepted me as an INFJ. Um, again, not, not their fault or mine. It's just sort of the way my mind works. Like, okay, this is the feedback I'm getting. It must be right. Um, But that inner dissonance never went away. And so I explored it for like two years trying to figure out what it was. But again, I wasn't looking at any T types. So my scope of what was available to me was very narrow. Um, I knew I used NI, so it was like ENFJ, INFJ, ENFJ, INFJ. I don't don't quite know. But then I had someone, um, it was actually Melissa, heard me, uh, that Susan mentioned, heard me say something at an event one time, a personality hacker event. And I was talking about really wanting to find something that, uh, you know, I was really passionate about and really excited about. And like, that was something that I would be so interested in that I would choose to do it over my work. You know, that was something just for me that was outside of my work, which I'm also passionate about. And I don't remember exactly what I said, but she asked me about that statement. She's like, tell me, what, what do you mean by that? And I knew she was going somewhere with it. I was like, uh, oh, where's this headed? And through a bunch of conversations with her over the course of a couple of weeks, um, and also reviewing some like, um, visioning that I was doing for my life. I realized that every single one of my goals was a TEFI goal, um, and not an F E T I type thing. So when I went to her with that and I had that realization, I also initially thought, Oh, INTJ must be the right one because, I think I could make myself be an extrovert, but I don't. You know, I don't really feel very extroverted. So, anyway, the long story short: um, when I settled on the fact that I was an EJ and an ENTJ, um, I did not want to be an ENTJ like at all. <laughs> like, not even close. My my FI was like, that is not me at all, uh, based on my self perception and based on the the stereotypes as we were just talking about um but then i had to admit that my entire life fell into place and it made complete sense um so i don't know i think that's probably where i'll stop but um that was kind of my journey of through infj to entj
0: yeah the Jungian definition of introvert and extrovert is different than the social understanding of it so people are like oh can you stay in a party for 24 hours then you're an extrovert and if you can't you're an introvert and that just relegates a lot of people as introverts <laughs> whereas for the mbti or or young yen definition of introvert it's what do you tend to interact with so carl Jung he uses the word libido to describe it actually and so that's kind of i know that's a strange word but really he's saying He's saying extroverts direct their libido to the external world. It means that they like to do things a lot in the external world. Like for an extroverted thinker, they're going to want to embark on projects, create goals, organize systems, streamline, and become more efficient and effective in the real world. And so that's a form of extroversion too. And the pop culture definition of extroversion is misleading to people because it implies that you need to interact with people to be an extrovert. Whereas with MBTI or Jungian extroversion, it just talks about interaction with the outer world in general is, is extroversion. Whereas introversion is directing the libido inward. So the more you're exploring your own thoughts and ideas and your internal landscape, that's, that's introversion. All right, cool. And so, anyone else want to share?
3: My journey to ENTJ was definitely it had its um it had its twists and turns. Uh, I actually spent most of my life from the moment I learned about Myers Briggs and the MBTI system, which wasn't that long ago. But initially, I tested as an ENFJ, and I spent most of um, my identity, you know, forming time with getting to know the system, believing that I was an ENFJ. And I felt that I could wear that coat pretty well, but it never quite fit perfectly. Uh, And the reason was because I always felt deep down that there was a part of me that my cup was not being filled by those social interactions that I was having with people the way that I expected it to. my mother is an ESFJ. I absolutely idolized her as a child and I think that what I was doing was trying to be the best ESFJ or ENFJ that I could possibly be because my FI value uh, attached to the presentation that my mother was putting out into the world and so I was very, very hard on myself to become that person and to do those things and to act that way and to interact with individuals in such a way that they felt like they were the most inspiring and amazing person I'd ever met, uh, you know, just as you would expect an FE Dom to do, you know, but then at the end of the day, I would leave a lot of interactions um, specifically on a large scale with people where I would just feel exhausted and I would feel completely um, not myself. And I would think, you know, am I just the most burnt out ENFJ that there is, you know, am I just the worst ENFJ ever? Why, you know, I'm secretly kind of running away from these people who I know really enjoy these interactions with me rather than going towards them to create that sense of connection that I would expect. And so I started to question the identity of ENFJ and that's when I kind of jumped to the INFJ idea where I was like, you know what, maybe maybe I'm just an introvert and maybe I'm the loudest, most obnoxious introvert that you've ever met, but maybe I am. <laughs> and that would explain, you know, that it's okay that I don't want to hang out with people all the time. And I need that alone time. And I sometimes feel like when I'm working on something, I don't want to be interrupted. Um, you know, maybe, that, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just that I'm an introvert. And so that actually felt nice um, for a time because it gave me a little bit of an excuse for why I was not such a bombastically enthusiastic all the time ENFJ as I expected. Now, That idea didn't last terribly long, mostly because pretty much everybody I knew was like you, an introvert, you know, and I would sit there and try to explain, oh, well, you know, it's because I'm actually getting my energy from um, my imagination, which I am. I feel like I have a really strong connection with my NI, which is, of course, my auxiliary function. But at the end of the day, you know, there was so much other evidence that would suggest extrovert. um, And so I was at a bit of a loss. And I think just like Leslie, being a feeler was something that I just knew no matter what, I know I'm a feeler. I know I'm a judger, the end, anything else, TBD, right? Um, so then when I got typed um, by Klaus, who is actually another one of personality, hackers certified profilers, he came back and said, you know, it's, it's going to be a little bit of a surprise, but let me tell you what I'm seeing. And he came out with ENTJ instead of, FJ, Uh, And just like a lot of us on this panel, I was initially horrified, uh, because I think that I had those stereotypes in mind that ENTJs are essentially Napoleon Bonaparte, Steve Jobs, Um, they're going to step all over you, they don't care about people, sort of evil dictator villains, supervillains, all the things that you hear about ENTJs. So initially, I had that, oh my gosh, it's the worst one, right? But then as I dove deeper into it, I, it was incredible you know, to actually look at that and say, oh, okay, this explains so much. This explains why you love people. You want to be effective for people. You want to do things for people. But at the end of the day, those interactions are actually not what's filling your cup. It's being able to be effective for them. And sometimes having them get out of your way so that you can be effective for them is actually your sweet spot, uh, rather than just having those social interactions that you would expect from an ENFJ. So, um, you know, I probably had a day where I was like, oh, oh, I can't possibly be. And then ever since 100% sold, it's answered so many questions. Uh, I've realized how important my FI is to me actually, um, and how that's really defined the type of TE that I show up in the world with. And it's just, it's it's answered every question that I had. So I'm really, really thankful for it.
0: Something from Lisa's story that you can take away is There's this quality of getting drained when you're actually focusing on the relationship itself. But when you work on being productive or effective around the relationship, it it feels more energizing, which is more of a task-oriented or systems-oriented way of showing love.
1: I'll uh, bring us home here on our um, INFJ to ENTJ journeys. Um, So I first identified as an INFJ in the ashes of my divorce. i was in the process of just rebuilding from that that was probably in like 2014 and i sat down with my uh then boyfriend now um, husband and we did like date night where we both did uh the 16 personalities quiz um to try to figure out what our types were and so his came back enfp and mine came back infj and i had taken it on my own before and always typed as infp actually. Um, but having somebody else's perspective of like, oh, no, you're pretty organized. You're you know, you're pretty intense. Like you're probably Jay. <laughs> so um, I just dove into this INFJ lens for myself. And through that process, discovered cognitive functions and then went all into personality hacker. And um, like Leslie was saying, like having this understanding or like this outer world um, lens for myself was so important because with FI at the bottom, I have such a hard time actually seeing myself and who I am and how the outer world perceives me. So this new INFJ identification, it just became this um, this very important part of how I saw myself and how I filtered the world as I went through it. Um, but So throughout the years, there's a lot of like different things that would come up that maybe didn't quite fit into INFJ, but it it was my filter. So that's just how I saw myself. So I was like accidentally doing community organizing events and accidentally falling into leadership positions. Oh, but I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader. I'm an introvert. Um, Because I was so busy, I needed so much alone time to process. And I also, like Lisa, have such a close relationship with my NI. Um, I work, um, I worked for many years in like graphic design and marketing. So I have this like very creative side of myself as well that also needs a lot of time for processing and conceptualizing. Um, so I never saw myself as an extrovert, and I would never type myself as that. Um, but then I went, I think my most recent journey really accelerated um, within the past couple of years since COVID. My whole world stopped. I had like a bazillion things going on and it came to a crash. And then, so here I am like sitting, staring at a wall and starting to meditate and starting to, you know, read tarot cards and to really like go in. And, um, I did an Enneagram typing session where it came back um, that. I'm a self preservation three. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like an INFJ Enneagram three, that's really unique. I was a four-wing also, Um, so that's showing. Um, Well, that's awesome. All right. I'm super, you know, complicated, I guess. INFJs are complicated. Um, And then I did strength finders. And it's funny. It's like all of my strengths are in the strategic thinking quadrant. And then if you, like, drill all the way down, harmony is, like, my third to last strength. Um, so, okay, I'm an INFJ that just is really, you know, using my my thinking function. Um, but it wasn't until I enrolled in the advanced profiling course through Personality Hacker, and I was turning in my assignments and I was feeling, you know, all this gusto and confidence and coming back wrong every time, which was just devastating. I felt so ineffective, but that's, a, that's okay. Well, what can I do about it? Um, I can try to see things from a different perspective. So what if I get profiled myself and go through that process, and maybe that will help me be more effective. (laughs) Um, So I went through the process also with Klaus, and he was like, also prefaced it with, this is going to be a bit of a surprise. And so I kind of braced myself that he was going to tell me ENFJ, um, because there was just no way that I was going to consider myself a thinker. Um, but then he started talking about my extroverted thinking. And I just remember feeling shell-shocked on our profiling session. I had to rewatch it back later because I just felt not present for probably most of that explanation. Um, but after that initial reaction, it really just clicked into place. It made so much sense. And I felt like it finally reflected uh, my a lot of the, the dissonance that I had felt like, I also just am exhausted by um, a lot of like intense interpersonal things, but have developed a, a strong skill set in connecting with people. And I, I would I think most people that know me would describe me as a nice person, a kind person, somebody that cares very deeply, very much about people. But I do my best work thinking at a systems level about people, um, really crafting systems that that everyone within. Are are happy and feel cared for. And that's where my comfort zone is. Um, so I really um just embraced it actually pretty quickly. I never would have typed myself as ENTJ. And I don't know if I would have ever tested as an ENTJ, maybe an ENFJ, definitely an INFP. That's you know. Um, but since I have embraced this typing as an ENTJ, it's incredible how much flow has just started channeling into my life. It's like um everything that like is supposed to, um, that is supposed to make me thrive. It's just like, it's coming to me. Like the opportunities are coming to me. I am feeling like more mentally healthy than I ever have, because I'm finally like giving myself permission to do the things that, um, that fit for me. Um, so it's been a really powerful, uh, transformation in my life.
0: And so a parallel Mary Joy's story has with Susan Storms is that they actually got typed in the Enneagram or they figured out their Enneagram type and it was three. And it's like, oh, interesting. INFJ threes are very uncommon. And there's a saying when you hear hoofs or you hear the sound of hoofs, think horses, not zebras. INFJ 3 is possible in theory, but it's way more likely for an ENTJ to be a 3 than for an INFJ to be a 3. 3s, they're known for defining themselves based on their success. So they need to achieve things in the outer world, get goals met, get systems set up to be able to accomplish things to, to feel enough. And A part of it can sound very extroverted thinking if if you look at it that way, in the sense that when you're an ENTJ, you're an EJ type that has FI last. It's easier to see yourself or the things that you're saying through external verification. And so EJ types can be great at typing other people, but they may struggle with typing themselves because they don't spend a lot of time seeing themselves. In fact, it's easier for an EJ type to triangulate everyone's opinions or data to figure out what they think. So it can take a while to
4: figure out that. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Joyce. Um, and I also, um, with Mary J, I'm also a self president three with a four wing. So I thought that was funny. But one thing I wanted to, to say, just because I think this is super important because I, you know, this is a e- INFJ to ENTJ panel, we're all women. And I, I'm not going to go into a huge long tangent about brains, but I just want to say, because I think it really explains a lot, that women do have like a larger limbic system than men do and a larger limbic cortex, which means basically we're made to like nurture We're more like emotionally in tune with other people. We also have more active mir- mirror neurons, which mirror neurons are when we look at someone and we see they're experiencing something and we empathize with them and kind of mirror their emotions back to them. And so I think that no matter what your personality type is, if you are a woman, I feel like you are going to demonstrate certain qualities often that the world sees as being extroverted feeling qualities or feeling qualities just in general. And so because I'm a big fan of like evolutionary psychology, not everyone is, but I like it because it explains a lot. And, you know, women are made to like nurture the the children, right? Like. In the ancient times, like men had to go hunt. So men have, you know, according to their brain, they have more spatial intelligence. The parts of the brain that have to do with spatial intelligence are usually bigger. And so that's great if you're hunting, but the parts of the brain that are all about nurturing and caretaking are usually more active in women. And so um, that leads me to another thing. A lot of women who are mothers can also type themselves as feeling types (laughs) because you spend so much time in that maternal space, and that will influence how you see yourself. Like for me, I have five kids, and I became a mom when I was 20 years old. And so, you know, in the first in the first part of your life, you're really like orienting yourself towards others. It's in the MBTI manual, and it's what we do. We're like, how do I fit in with the world? How do I fit in with other people's expectations of me, like my family, my teachers? Um, what the people in my career. And so if you're a mom and you become a mom, especially young, you're gonna identify, a lot of what you are going to identify as yourself is this nurturing, caretaking quality, which sounds very extroverted feeling. One thing that really helped me to see that I'm not extroverted feeling was that I realized that only (laughs) that quality only applies to my children and I really don't care about applying it to other people. Like I care about other people, but it's more about like a specific cause for other people. Like I care specifically about foster kids, right? Or I care specifically about um, women in disadvantaged countries. But like, I don't really give extroverted feeling to just my neighbors or people I meet. Like most of the time, I'd rather just be working on a project by myself than trying to form a connection with someone. And, but when I was typing myself, I broke that cardinal rule of don't type yourself based on how you are as a parent. Like when you get uh, Joyce knows or Leslie knows, like when you get MBTI certified as a practitioner, they say, don't type yourself as a parent, but having been a parent for so long and having become a parent so young, I was, I. was it was just so much a part of me that I started typing myself as that without even really realizing I was doing it. So if you're watching this and you're like, that could be also be a thing for someone watching this, maybe, the the parental side of you is really big um or maybe you're watching this and you're going well i know my you know these guys are entjs but they show up so much differently than i do there's reasons for that and there's soapbox spiel on some of the reasons i think people mistype like especially women mistype as feeling types with extroverted feeling if you're only doing it in
0: one context then especially if it's your dominant function which you're supposed to like for if you were like an enfj like if you're an fe dom you'd have to apply fe to all contexts so a a big signal that fe may not be in your stack is that there are very specific contexts in which you apply it and then you revert back to systems or tasks or projects or goals that are non-directly human related but they affect humans (laughs) indirectly by being a good system
3: Yeah. Yeah. If I could piggyback on that for a little bit, too, Um, that was something that I really struggled with. And then when I learned that I was an ENTJ, it made so much sense to me because I consider myself and I know a lot of ENTJs um, and a lot of NTs in general consider themselves to be, uh, you know, I I am here for the little guy. I am going to be fighting for the underdog until the day that I die. And so feeling like I had such a, a an open heart to the disadvantaged and to, you know, animals and the environment and all that kind of stuff. You know, I when I looked at my impression of myself, I would say, well, you're just oozing feelings all the time. You have so many feelings. But I can remember specifically I had a moment that really highlighted to me how it was different from fe as you said where you know with fe you're you're blasting that out into the world and that is something that is very far-reaching and it's just it's how you show up in the world but i remember several years ago you know i i have always carried the causes of animals the environment women's rights and l g b t q rights those have been those have been my four always and uh, and I remember during the pandemic, all the Black Lives Matter situations started arising, and this became a big you know topic. And I I realized that that had been a cause that although you know obviously I had very much cared about that in an abstract kind of way, I hadn't taken on um, Brown Lives and Black Lives as part of my core identity the way that I had the other ones I had chosen. And the reason that I struck myself as having a very extroverted thinking moment is I remember then when that happened, it was almost like I had an internal dialogue with myself where I was like, all right, well, are we going to take this one on too? Because if we take this one on, we're going to have to really take it on. We're going to really have to commit to this. This is going to have to become a big part of who we are. We can't just say we care about it and not actually do the research, do the work, put in the time. Are we ready to do that? You know, and then, of course, my answer was absolutely. I'm ready. Let's do this. And then I opened that door and then that became one of my causes as well. Um, You know, again, not that it hadn't been. It just hadn't been an active focus of my attention. Um, But the fact that I had that conversation with myself, you know, sort of a conservation of energy of like, do we want to commit to this? Because when we commit to it, we're committing to it with our F.I. We are choosing it. It is ours. We're going to be loyal to the day that we die Do we want to do that? (laughs) You know, that just struck me as very much the way that a TE DOM would approach a social justice issue, unlike an FE DOM that would probably just automatically absorb it and it would become part of who they were. And they wouldn't have that conversation to logically decide if it was something that they were prepared to do or not, you know? And so at that moment, I think that was one of the times where I thought to myself, okay, being a thinker is probably who you are, then yes.
2: Yeah, I was going to say similar to Susan and Lisa, what I've also identified is that my feelings that that I, that come out are originating inside, right? It's an internal feeling process. So it's pinging off of something in my own heart, you know. So those causes that we have, those things that we direct our feeling toward, like they're they're, they're coming from somewhere inside of of us, um, and they do have that like connection to our own values, our own our own feelings, our own. Um, hurts and pains and uh, maybe the times, at least I'll speak for myself, the times when I felt on the outside or the times when I felt like I'm the underdog or whatever. And then my heart like pours out to someone else in the same type of situation, but it's originating from within because it's an introverted feeling. And also, I think I would, most of us, I would say, probably feel like we have emotions and we probably feel like we have a lot at times, but I think something else i've realized is and i still think that's true but i think for a te dom any emotion can feel like this huge thing right um and so then it can take up a bigger space in our mind like you know i cried three weeks ago or whatever i don't know what it is you know i cry quite frequently but it, it becomes this monstrous thing um not that it's a bad thing but it just becomes so almost all consuming, at least for me when I have an emotion. So it's very, it was very easy for me to make a jump to, well, of course I'm a feeling type because I've got feelings all the time (laughs) and they're so, so big. But anyway, I think that's another relationship to inferior fi that, that we probably all experience.
1: Yeah. I really strongly resonate with that experience. I also thought Part of me being a feeler, a self-identified feeler, is that to the people that actually really know me intimately, which is a small circle of people, um, I have a kind of a joking reputation as being a very emotional person, and it's exactly that. It's when a big emotion comes up, it it just feels like it floods, it takes over, and it doesn't just go away right away. It is something that I have to like just sit in misery in almost, until I slowly process through it and come out on the other side of it. Um, But for the larger rings of people that, that are in my life or in the larger community, I don't let that side of myself show. So I think there is a lot of people that probably don't think of me as an emotional person, those that are maybe seeing me in action Putting those values in action um, out into the larger community, um, and something that I think um, ties together some some of the threads from um, others' comments here. Um, my I think FI value has become community, like building community, creating community. How do we do that? Which is a very like FE sounding thing, um, but I. I realized it's actually coming from my own FI of always feeling on the outside, like of not feeling like I fit in, not feeling like I have my tribe. Um, And so in a way, like that is my own um, internal feelings, kind of like making uh, my impact in the world for for others through that very um, empathetic space. I want everyone to feel like they have a community.
0: When introverted feeling is in the last spot or the fourth slot, it can come out as almost an explosiveness at certain times too, just because it's the toddler in your backseat. And so it can seem like strong feelings sometimes when it comes out because it comes strongly when it does come out. All right. And so what were the signs to you that you didn't use F E T I stuff that really stuck out to you? Like, Nope, those are F E T I things that I do not do.
4: So forming an emotional connection with someone else is very, very difficult for me. And um, I remember talking to Antonia from personality hacker and she's like explaining like the whole vibe thing, like getting into a vibe with someone else with extroverted feeling. And I'm like, I have no idea even what that is. Like, just like, that's so complicated to me. Um, And that was really a challenge. I, and also when I care about someone, I tend to want to help them in more indirect resource driven ways. Like, for me, if I care about um, people in a certain country that are disadvantaged, it's more like, oh, how can I make as much money as I can so I can send a donation their way? Or, or like, how can I um, do something indirectly to help, but I don't really care that much about, sounds bad, but, like, just really emotionally connecting and, like, having great conversations with the people. I mean, I would like to hear the stories and things like that, but... Um, I realized that for me, helping people and connecting with them is more about actually problem solving for them and um, actually getting to the bottom line of what a problem is or an issue is and being like, all right, what's the strategy that we can use to fix this? Um, and also even in my writing and my newsletters that I, for my website, I don't really write, detail a lot of personal stuff. I don't really make my writing personal and I notice A writing difference, very clearly between myself and other feeling writers that I knew who did blogging and wrote newsletters. Like my newsletters, if I could just, if I could have it my way, I would send a newsletter to my audience. It's like here's a new article by, like that would be like all it would say, and that would be my preferred way to send a newsletter to my guests, but or readers, whatever. But like the feeling types I know, when they send an article, especially if they're feeling judges, like. I was thinking about you today and I was going through my day and I was having this emotional experience and I was thinking about how you probably have that emotional. It was like very warm and like you can feel the warmth right through the newsletter. And I know that's the kind of newsletter I should write, but I cannot write like that. I've sat down and tried to write newsletters like that and it's so horribly bad that, so basically my newsletters are like, hey, I write a new article. Maybe you feel this way sometime. Here's the link and here's a quote of the day and bye, that's it. It doesn't mean I don't care about the people that I'm writing to. I actually really do. But for me, it's more about what kind of practical information can I provide for them rather than I'm going to connect with them in some emotional way, which really is bad for business for me. (laughs) Like if I'm just going from like a like it was bad for business for me to say, oh, actually, I was wrong about my type. I'm ENTJ. Like I still get probably several emails a day from people that are like, you're such a fraud. How could you? You know. But like for me, it's it's. Uh, realizing that I didn't use extroverted feeling was realizing that actually getting on the same page emotionally with other people is very difficult for me. And even though I do care about people, I am going to show it more in a practical way, in a troubleshooting way, uh, rather than being as getting on that emotional wavelength that FJs are so, so good at and that I admire them for. Um, And also, as I was thinking through the session I had with Melissa and Linda, where they were saying, think about NT and think about TJ. I spent several days thinking it over. And I was explaining some issues in my family to my ESTP husband. And I'm like, all right, we need to make a chart and put it on this wall. And then we will write down all the things we need to deal with. And then we will come up with the perfect schedule so that these things get done. And he just looks at me and he's like, how in the world did I ever not see that you're a TJ? He's <laughs> like, you always do this. Like whenever there's a problem, I'm like, okay, let's make a chart. Let's put it on the wall. Let's come up with like the game plan for how we're going to fix this, the problem. And that's, a, you know, extroverted thinking is very much about let me externalize my logic and work it out in some external way, whether it's through speaking or making diagrams or even writing. And that's how I think best. And that's really energizing for me. And connecting with people, I want to be able to be good at that but it's not energizing for me. I mean, it's not like I never want to talk to people. I feel like I have to add like exceptions to that. I I really care about people. And if it's the right subject of conversation, it can be really fun. But just getting on the emotionally the same page is actually really stressful for me because I get super scared I'm going to say the wrong thing. And I know it's not something that I have a track record of being really great at. So that was, there's an overview of kind of (laughs) Where my realization of TJ and not having FETI came from.
0: Yeah, TE really likes those charts, diagrams, bullet points, main points, strategy, game plan. Yeah, that let's get the dashboard ready and, and look at the stats, the metrics in a tangible form
4: where we can actually see it. Yeah. Yeah. And also, me and Joyce did a program called INFJ Inspired. And, um, I realized, well, I ended up refunding everyone who joined the program. They were wonderful INFJs, but I also, I started that program, and right after I started that program is when I was talking to people and realizing I was wrong about my type. And there were these wonderful INFJs in there, but as they were talking and as we were doing the program, I realized more and more, oh, I don't operate in the same way. Like, and so I, it was really kind of stressful for me to be like, I felt like I had to kind of pretend But my introverted feelings, I was like, this is not okay. You can't pretend like this. You're being fake and everything. So um, I had to end up canceling that and refunding everything, even though I put like a massive amount of work into it because I was like, this isn't authentic for me to be doing this. Um, But that also, that experience of being around a bunch of other INFJs and realizing, oh, the advice I would give to them having their problem right now is a TE response and not what they would need, which would be more of an extroverted feeling response.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a great way of figuring out your best fit type too. When you start interacting with people of the type and you realize, huh, I think you actually are correctly typed and I don't relate to you. So it's that wake up call. It's a a slap in the face that, oh, I really don't fit in with these people. (laughs) Yeah, so that's the best way of learning. Almost having that visceral presence of people of that type around you all the time. Yeah. But it is really great to work with Susan. She is super knowledgeable and smart, and she does things amazingly, like everything she does, everything she touches is excellence, so.
2: I would agree. <laughs> um, I was gonna speak really quickly to the whole vibe thing and the connection, because I think even now, I would probably say that I really want that. But as I've analyzed this over the last year and a half, um, what I've come to realize is I do want to vibe emotionally with someone that's the way i would say it but what it really what the root of that is is that i want to feel like i'm not being rejected and i want to feel like i'm being accepted and that probably the difference there probably is some difference based on our enneagram types but for me it's really like if i don't feel like i'm being accepted or if i feel like i'm being rejected to me that equals disconnection and that equals not vibing so i think with the fe kind of vibe as Susan was talking about, like what I realized that FE is trying to create sort of this, um, you know, it's like trying to raise everyone's vibe or everyone's emotional, um, everyone's emotional to the emotions, excuse me, to this sort of similar, um, average. And I apologize, Joyce, if I'm using the wrong language for it, but it seems like it's more like, let's have everyone sort of feel really good, feel this certain way. And to me, um, I like really adamantly reject that because I want every person to be able to feel exactly as they want to feel. And I know probably FE users make space for that too. But for me, I'm like this person's feelings, if they don't want to feel good at the moment, it's just as valuable and just as like, okay, to be that way, regardless of what everyone else is feeling at that moment, regardless if we're all supposed to be happy or all supposed to be on board with whatever. Um, and I actually, I get really irritated with that. Like I see people masterfully creating, like getting everyone to like feel a certain way in a group and I'm in awe of it to begin with, but then also I, I repel from it. Cause I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> like I don't want to feel the same thing that everyone is feeling. So that I had to like untangle a lot of that because I would have used the same, the same words. Like I want to vibe with people and I want to like connect with people. And I actually feel like I can read like what's going on emotionally and all that. But when I look at it again, the root is FI and not F E. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah.
0: And another difference between F
2: I and F E too is that F E users,
0: F E in the first and second slot, tend to feel responsible for other people's emotional states. It's almost like we all co-regulate each other's emotional states. And it's all our responsibilities to take care of each other's emotional states in a way where Where everyone's emotions is everyone's responsibilities whereas i think fi in its in its pure sense like for tjs it it would be best if everyone could emotionally regulate within themselves independently of one another and we're all gonna independently regulate our emotions because wow managing managing everyone's emotions at all times seems really exhausting to a tj and so they're like everyone
3: independently regulate and that would be best (laughs) yeah Something I wanted to add to this discussion is kind of making me think of it is, you know, I think something that I've learned in my experience with just my own personal types is I think that certain types can hack their functions to make their functions look like other types. Um, I think that's true of everybody. I think that if you try really hard and use your FI to make your TE feel like Fe, you can do it. And if you try really hard to make your TI, make your FE look like TE, you can do it. Um, Same with, you know, I would say your, you know, your SI and your NE can kind of look like one of the other functions, you know? So I think that there's ways that if you're combining the forces of your functions, you can create the appearance of their opposites. The difference being the stamina. Uh, And I think that was the big thing for me, because with me, I think, you know, again, growing up with an ESFJ mother who was so extroverted, so effusive, so giving, so compassionate, I learned how to take my FI, plug it into my TE and make everybody around me feel like I had FE. But unlike if I were a true FE dom, that would have been filling my gas tank. What I was doing instead was very expensive, you know, so essentially I could do it, but I was draining my gas tank at double time, you know, so um, I found that the stamina of how long you can keep it up uh, really is a very big clue to find out what function that you actually have, you know, so when I think about myself, I can FE with the best of them, I think my impression, FE doms would probably disagree, but at the end of the day, when I'm tired, when I'm distracted, when I'm busy, when I'm focused on my tasks, when I don't feel good, how do I act then? You know, And that's when I notice when I'm writing emails to people, then I have to say, wait put a sentence at the beginning that says, Hey, thanks. Great to hear from you. Hope you're having a nice day rather than just jumping into, can I get that report by 3 PM? You know, or if I'm tired and I have people who are calling me who are upset because something's going on in their lives. And my initial reaction is not, Oh my gosh, how sad my friend is sad. It's like, lady, get it together. How many times do I have to tell you this is a bad guy and he's never going to be better. And when are you going to listen to me? You know? And, uh, and so knowing that that is my, um, the way that I act when my gas tank is not full, uh, it really showed me very clearly that, you know, my impression of Effie was nothing more than an impression. And I could not keep it up long term without burning myself out.
0: Yeah, we can all act as different types for a period of time, but then your your true preferences will show eventually in what, what feels most comfortable and natural when you don't put up a performance. So cool. And Mary Joy? your thoughts?
1: Yeah, like Lisa, I started to, um, I I guess since since I've uh, identified as an ENTJ, I have really started to hone in on some of these internal like automatic reactions that I feel when I'm around FE users. And it's almost like this impatience, like, okay, Oh, yeah. All right. It's good to connect at the beginning, but like we got to get moving or like, oh, this drama again, like, like, isn't there, you know, like, this is like the last thing that like I want to be thinking about right now, considering all this other stuff that's going on. So um, it's been really instructive to be able to pay attention to just like, what are those like compulsive inner reactions I'm having to extroverted feeling um, in the outer world? Um, But another piece that I've been doing a lot of thinking on is, um, so I'm a musician and I'm a performer. And I think uh, as a part of that performance, I had to become comfortable at interfacing with a lot of different people. And I've really come to value that as my SE, my 10 year old, like proud um, extroverted sensing where I'm in the moment with somebody. And that social buzz that we've been kind of talking about. Um, I've started to appreciate how extroverted sensing is really related to kind of a, a in the moment, like social energy, but it's it's in the now that it's a part of that being grounded in the moment, being max alive with somebody else, um, and beyond that moment, that then it's over. And that's not to say that I like don't care about people. I have lots of care for lots of people, but I don't. I'm so busy. I'm a very busy person. I have lots of things going on. That unless you're in my um, my little fi bubble of people that um, that I prioritize space for, um, I I can't I can't do what Effie does in maintaining those relationships and following up. Hey, I was thinking about you. And oftentimes I, I do like I do think about a lot of people, but it's actually like making the decision to prioritize that. Um, I'm my much more natural instinct is to prioritize um, the projects that I have going, which um, I'm hoping are touching and impacting lots of people, but not necessarily on that like direct uh, level. Uh, something else that I've thought a lot about is um, that made me think that I was an Fe user was the power of NI and SE together in being able to read, a situation and also to get into somebody else's perspective. Um I have this very strong relationship with my Ni and I it's very easy for me. It's almost it's just I'm always like kind of switching into other people's perspectives and trying to understand where somebody's coming from like very detached from my own perspective on something and then combined with Fi well how would I feel if I was in that situation? It can almost all come together, kind of like this weird FE sim- simulation of like, oh, I'm I'm trying to understand where they're coming from. And, and I'm present in the moment here with them. And I'm trying to draw up on some sort of emotional um, thing in myself. Um, so it can all come and read as like this very FE thing. But um, I, combined with kind of those like compulsive like inner reactions to effie and then just the fact that i'm very independent like i just have a lot going on and i just don't have a high need for social interaction um i remember i was in a coaching program with joel and antonia and just like almost like yelling like aggressively like i just don't need anybody like i would be fine by myself for a long time and that is like so such the antithesis to what Fe is like seeking that connection, um, and that was also part of you know my introversion, uh, you know mind tricks. But um, yeah, so put it all together and just going through the process of accepting ENTJ and then just now paying attention to to Fe that's actually happening and what is my authentic reaction that's coming up to that and it's become very clear to me that um, Te. Um, is much more a space that I'm comfortable and that is generally how I'm going to help people Um, is going to be much more resource-based much more like um, let me be like a a life coach mentor for you here and let's figure this out and be very like solution oriented about things.
0: So TE can be very life coachy but it can also be the opposite of life coachy too and I'll explain why. Because life coaches, you're actually supposed to have the other person arrive at the advice and you're not allowed to tell the person what to do. So, in a sense, it is like it is TE and helping them find a solution to their problem. But it, it's also, I think it could make TE users very impatient because they have to find a roundabout way to make you arrive at it yourself without any direct commentary. Because I have a lot of TE life coaches coming to me and they're like, Joyce, I get irritated at my job because. I already know the obvious solution and I have to wait for the other person to get there. Sometimes people don't even apply your advice. And so TJ is like, why am I even telling you this if you're not applying it? <laughs> it's interesting. TE, Dom, life coaches. They're great and and yeah. And so thank you, TJ's, for coming out today, for sharing your journey to figuring out your true type. And yeah, it seems like you really do help people in very resource-oriented ways. And so acts of service, love language could be really natural for TJs to give to other people. So thanks, Susan Storm, for coming out. She has a wonderful website called Psychology Junkie that I'll link below. Yeah, she always has the best content rolling out and she is super productive like just article after article, always able to produce and stay on schedule. Even when you're on vacation, you're able to just still crank out stuff. And so it's impressive. I admire your work ethic and the amount of knowledge you put into your articles because they're really good. So I recommend everyone check it out, click it below. Yeah, so show Susan some support. (laughs) Thank you, Joyce. Yeah, cool and so i think lisa is a really good example of a tj who has been raised by an fj and so they're naturally going to gain even more pseudo fe behaviors too and so you'll meet some tjs who actually like they come off so warm and so so inviting it can be harder to to type them as well so thank you for representing that sphere so that get that
3: absolutely thank you so much for having me this has been very fun
0: it's cool how all the personality hacker entjs would would have liked to have met each other anyways so it's like yeah you're female and you're entj and you had trouble figuring out your type too. (laughs) camaraderie yeah and thanks susan for the neuroscience differences between the the genders and so yeah and Leslie, it's very cool to have you on. You were able to interact with INFJs also like Susan. And then you figured out, yes, ENTJ, you know what, That that is a good fit. And so um, I appreciate, you know, ENTJs, they put a lot of work into their website and their brand and, and their articles. And so I recommend you check them out because they're really well produced and they, they put out stuff that's great. And so I'll have Leslie's website linked below as well. And yeah, Mary Joy, thanks for coming out. We were in the same personality hacker certification cohort in one of the classes, so it's cool. It's cool to have gotten to know your personal story too. And I'm excited to see some of you at the next personality hacker live event. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. A lot of personality hacker people are like instant friends to me and you guys are already your friends to me, so this is great. All right, and so thank you everyone for watching. I'll see you all in the next episode. Take care.